Welcome to the Ag Emerge podcast, brought to you by Ag Solutions Network. Your farming challenges are unique, so your practices should be too. We're here to share emerging ideas, build connections, and provoke conversation. Get ready to improve your soil, your crops, your livestock, and your family's livelihood. I'm your producer, Kim Chase. And I'm your host, Monty Pottens. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're excited to welcome Adrian Ferrero. He is the co-founder and CEO of Biome Makers. With recognition from the Spanish government, Illumina Accelerator, and the MIT Technology Review, Adrian is a self-described entrepreneur on a mission to improve the world. And he's doing just that as he and his company work to have an impact on how we look at and utilize the soil. He says this work at the end of the day helps to improve the way we are farming, the way we preserve and restore the life of the soil, and also create awareness on the relevance of the biological pathways that are in the soil. Adrian and Monty have a great conversation, so let's jump right in. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Aggie Merge podcast. I'm excited to be joined by Adrian Ferrero. He is the co-founder of uh, Biome Makers, and a lot of you have heard of Biome Makers. And in fact, uh, if you were at Aggie Merge, our second one that we did in the conference in Monterey, you would have seen them pitch their company at that time. And they've come a long way since 2020. Uh, many exciting things. They did win our uh, Soil Health uh, Award there at, of all the pitch companies that we had. And um, we're we're proud to see that they're they're growing and developing, but uh, it's been a it's been a wild journey. And uh, you know, Adriana, I just would love if you would share some of your story and and how you got started and and what Biome Makers has gotten to today. Well, first of all, thank you very much for the invitation to join the podcast. It's uh, my pleasure to really contribute with uh, all the contents and uh, the story and the knowledge sharing that. Uh, I've been gathering all the time since we we started. Uh, we started biomakers back in 2015, so seven years ago, almost eight years ago. So it's a long track uh, for a startup and a lot of learnings in the way and huge evolution. But the, what is the most interesting part is that the mission remains the same. So we still want to have an impact on how we look at the soil and how we, we utilize the soil, no? because we've been using soil since ever. But uh, now we are in a momentum where we can really uh, analyze and understand the soil from a completely different perspective, more beneficial for our economic activities, but at the same time, more beneficial for the future of our planet. So wow. how do you want? Yeah, how how did you yourself get interested in in this soil health, uh, basically analysis or quantification? I mean, what's uh, um, how did you find your way into this this um, approach? Well, uh, I'm bachelor in economic science and uh, also expert in innovation, innovation, funding for innovation, and also I did a master in environmental technology. So the the connection with the environment, nature. It, it's been uh, a while, but uh, what is more interesting is the origin of the two founders of the company, Alberto Acedo and myself, who are originally from the northwest of Spain. It's an agricultural area. It's called the, the, the Spanish Midwest because corn, 
uh, sugar beets and, and, and wheat are the most common, common crops in that area. So we were fully aware of all the challenges that farmers are facing when it comes to well, farming itself. And from time to time, we were not able to drain the tap water because the load of chemicals in, in, in the water, in the tap water, so in the system. And it was mainly because the way uh, farmers were fertilizing. And we realized that there was some gap to really understand and uh, increase the efficiency of the farming operations, not to have a huge negative impact in human life, no, let's say from that point of view. And that was kind of the origin. It has been all the time there. So the first company, Alberto and me, Bill, was a genetic diagnostic center focusing hereditary diseases, benefiting from a technology called DNA sequencing. We were the first uh, specialized DNA sequencing center in Spain, it's mainly hereditary cancer. And uh, when this company was growing, we decided to sell the company and do something that for us was more exciting applying the personalized medicine concept into agriculture. And the right place to start this venture was California. And we have the opportunity. We were invited by Illumina, the largest genetic company in the world, to join their corporate accelerator program. And in May 2015, Alberto and myself did the backpacks and came to San Francisco. And that's how we, we started the idea. At the beginning was to utilize one of the most interesting bioindicators, biomarkers in nature, which is the community of microbes populating the soil in this case, because we realized that in agriculture, we were not using many bioindicators. And uh, we knew how to generate valuable data from this community of living beings, and then how to turn this data, these profiles of microbes, bacteria and fungal species, into something meaningful and useful for agriculture, which are uh, functional profiles of the soil. So we started developing the technology, first the analytical part, second, the uh, computing part. We applied it specifically to one crop, which is really important for California, vineyards, especially because uh, close to San Francisco, we have Napa, Russian Rivers, Sonoma, so really nice. Uh, wine regions and uh, in 2018 we started the, the process to expand our knowledge to other crops and that that's how we launched our current solution called Bicrop, the Bicrop platform which at the end of the, the, the day is a soil intelligence platform because we provide insights on everything that is happening in the soil. Nice journey, right? <laughs> oh yeah and I think it's interesting that you started with the DNA sequencing in humans and and looked at okay how can this apply to other areas and uh did you did you really know what you were getting into when you started looking at the soil i mean as far as the quantity and diversity of uh microbial community when when you when you were first you know hey let's go do soil you know hey, how hard can it be and then all of a sudden you you open up this uh, uh unbelievable i would assume unknown area correct is that was it did it wind up being far more difficult than what you first uh, had imagined yeah when you listen most of the entrepreneurs it looks like they have a clear path uh, on what they wanted to do but for us was more kind of discovery uh, process it was so exciting to apply this technology into the unknown universe of the soil because uh, we're considering what are the right place to start looking at 
And actually, in, in the wine industry, we look from the soil to the bottle. So the whole industrial process is the winemaking process. And uh, that confirms that the soil was the right place to focus. And uh, from there, uh, it's been continually uh, a discovery process. Uh, we didn't know how difficult it was going to be, but somebody has to start. Because when we were doing DNA sequencing for humans, um, the, the point is that you have a reference, which is the human genome. No? Uh, what you do is you take the DNA of a patient, your, your uh, user, let's say, and you compare it with the reference. And then you start identifying all the mutations. And then you classify those mutations for those that are pathogenics, according to the literature, or those that have a known effect. Sadly, uh, there are not much in research around positive mutations uh, in humans. So mostly right. we look at the bad side of the mutations. Right. So in, in the soil, what happened is that we didn't have any reference. Correct. So that was really like, okay, we have the, the, the opportunity to generate the largest reference and the reference for soils, soil biology worldwide. And that was, uh, from the entrepreneurial point of view, very exciting. And from there, it's a discovering process uh, and interaction with all the, the users, the stakeholders, all our clients to learn how we can deliver the highest value based on the knowledge that we generate. Yeah, and, and that's, that's a, like you said, you start with the human genome, you, you know it, it's been mapped and, and you, have, you have good, but the soil, you know, I've heard stats anywhere from, we know one to 3% at, at one time, probably about the time that you're starting. Now that has accelerated a lot because of, your work and others work in this realm, but yeah, it's really kind of a black box. So I, I got to back up and ask you a little bit. You, when you said you're working in wineries, just trying to discover the application of DNA sequencing is, is what yeah, I well, understood you. You know, you looked at the, the soil plant, you know, all the way to the bottle. Um, hmm. I'm guessing you started to focus on the soil because you realized that the, the variance and the, and the unknown is in the soil. The, the rest is pretty, pretty straightforward is that is that a, a good assumption or why did you decide to yeah. start with the soil the uh, reality is that it's not as important what are the microbes but how the microbes impact in this case winemaking and that was the starting point now when we were uh, thinking about specifically at the beginning i'm talking about to back 2015, 2016, right. on, on when we were generating the first data, sharing with our uh, tested, tested uh, users and receiving the feedback, the, the point was like, uh, are the microbes important or it's more important what they do? And then it comes to your point, uh, the discovery, you know, the, the knowledge. Yeah, uh, 10 ago, we just knew like, less than 1% of the microbes because traditional microbial techniques um, were so limited. It was culturing microbes and it was so difficult, difficult, but uh, very technical and developing. But now we can really uh, look at those microbes, identify them without having anything else but their presence. So there is not like a conditions to really know or de develop those profiles. The second question is, okay, some of them have a name, others don't have a name. That's right, no? Because humans, well, are naming according to, to the discovery cure. Just a, a, a data point that we have right now in our database, uh, we have identified so far 14 million of different taxonomic units. So different species of microbes in the soil. 
And just for you to have a reference, humans have been able to name around half million microbes. So 350,000 bacteria and 150,000 fungal species. So there is a break. <laughs> a big... Yeah, you, you, yeah, you've expanded the knowledge base so far by 28 times. That's that's right. So, but the, uh, is that a, an issue? Actually, no. With the time, we'll be able to name, and we identify the same references, the same taxons in the soil uh, many times. So the same uh, units are there in different places, in different crops. So it's the same species. Okay. So we cannot, we might not have a name, but what we can do at genetic level is to make a correlation with uh, what is the, um, the taxonomic uh, species or identity, right? So imagine we are not able to say this is a cat, this is a tiger, or this is a lion, but we know it's a felling and we know what is the role in the ecosystem. So that's enough so far. With the time, this knowledge will keep improving. And now coming back to, to your initial question, why soil? Well, uh, when we were looking at the at the winemaking process, uh, at the soil, blah, blah. So when people drink wine, uh, we realize that uh, there are different values or different aspects that they consider relevant. One of them is uh, the varietal profile, so the, the grape variety that provides certain flavors, then the aging, and then uh, what is called the terroir, no? the origin, the appellation. So Napa wines have specific flavors independently of the Cabernet Sauvignon coming from a different place, yes? So these three groups of flavors can be connected somehow to the effect of the different, different microbes. So that's how we started to realize that the, the food dynamics are nearly connected to the biological processes caused by the microbes. And why the soil? Because soil was completely unknown and because uh, technology takes a little bit of time and we cannot provide answer, real-time answer, let's say, that is needed in the industry at, a, at the later process point. No? When you are at the cellar and you have a problem because the fermentation is, is going crazy, you have little room to, to react. So you cannot wait days to receive results. But in the soil, in the field, uh, you, you have that possibility because you can start even preventing what is going to happen in the next season based on what you observe now. And you can even anticipate things that are going to happen right now for that specific season. So that was <clears throat> the right place to start. And so exciting because the impact of soil, I mean, 95% uh, of our food comes directly or indirectly from the soil. So. Everything comes from the soil. Even we will end up in the soil eventually, right? So that's how we find out how uh, our mission or our contribution to make this this world a little bit better uh, was. No, uh, by looking at the soil, developing a technology that was able to really understand and decode all the mechanisms happening in the soil and connect them to the digital world. Because when you uh, put many layers of data together now uh, it's possible to really develop artificial intelligence around this and start predicting what is going to happen uh, even guessing before you go there so yeah the, the possibilities are amazing and when we realize about this huge potential 
well, we just went straight to soil. Forget we still have some clients because when they were so nice to us at the beginning, uh, working with them at the seller, but we just do soil. So we receive around 2,000 samples of soil, uh, soil samples in our labs uh, every week. So you can imagine the speed of growth and the specialization that we are having at this stage. But then when you start receiving that much soil, you have... Uh... You got to have troubles figuring out what to do with the samples when you're all done. You, you probably got some amazing raised gardens out back now. But uh, Well, uh, actually, our lab technicians are always asking for new freezers, uh, freezers oh, okay, to, yeah. to serve the soil and it's like, oh. mm, or the DNA. You know, we have to, to keep the DNA at least three to five years uh, and then we discard it in a secure way. Actually, the amount of soil we need is very little compared to the traditional soil analysis, which is around one pound. We just use a couple of ounces. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. The Ag Emerge podcast is brought to you by Ag Solutions Network. The ASN team is hands-on, digging in and invested in regenerative agriculture. Along with the proper plant nutrition and biologicals to boost your soil microbiome, we provide the ideas and implementation guidance to support you on your soil health journey. So stop farming the same way and contact Ag Solutions Network today at asn.farm. So was there some inspiration uh, also uh, when you're looking at soil to the bottle? Was there inspiration because uh, that then required the bottle to the glass to the founders? I mean, was there a lot of wine drinking involved here in the original startup process? Uh, I think that could be a key key ingredient. Well, uh, you have to let your imagination fly sometimes. <laughs> no, actually, uh, for us, uh, as Spaniards, uh, wine is really a cultural thing. So it's not about drinking like the alcoholic piece. I wish the uh, wine will have less alcohol so we could drink more because it's quite an alcoholic drink. But beyond, uh, I mean, besides that, that part, uh, as a cultural piece of, of well, Spain, and I will say California, and everybody likes wine. Right. Yeah, understanding the connection between the plant growth and, and the food. No, in Europe, wine is considered food. It's not alcoholic beverage. Yes. So for us, it's like, okay, anything we eat at the end of the day comes from the soil and then uh, has a connection to, to the earth, to the life and to the microbes, right? So that was really inspiring. So developing and being able to help to make more um, clean, sustainable, efficient crops, because at the end of the day, agriculture is a, is a business, no? It has to be a business and a profitable business. And if we are not able to help farmers to take advantage of the natural soil fertility, instead of damaging this natural soil fertility, then probably we are not doing the right thing. That's a good point. That's a very, very good point. Uh, all, everything we do consume is a food of some kind, and we need to make sure that fuel is as good as it can be and as clean as it can be and, and the best that it can be for us. So you mentioned there, uh, prior to your work, uh, there was roughly half a million organisms identified. You've expanded that to 14 million. Do you have an idea of the the universe of organisms? Are you have you projected that out of what that could be and how has that universe of microorganisms grown in size as you discover more? I imagine it started, you thought it was this and it's just gotten bigger and bigger 
as you as you map more of it, you realize there's more to map. Yes, and crop by crop as well, because for instance, when we talk about corn or we talk about vineyards or we talk about wheat, uh, we're starting to reach that point where the discovery curve um, does not grow as much. So there's some potential, but then we need to increase a larger amount of samples, so hugely the number of samples to really increase the discovery cure. At the beginning, you can imagine it was crazy. Every new sample was a almost full discovery. But right now we can say that we have really good understanding on what is the biological status of the soil. I mean, who are the players in the soil and also at functional level, because this is very important. This is one of the characteristics from our company. It's not just about uh, profiling microbes. I mean, this is, uh, this, there is value there, but still it's difficult to really get extract the, the use, the, the value out of these microbial profiles. And everybody's pitching like good, good microbes, bad microbes, but what we've realized is not about uh, the specific players, it's about how they interact within the whole community of microbes that are, are there. So the ecological relationships of this community. And this is what is really important. Let me just give you an, an example. When you compare the um, uh, Amazonic uh, rainforest with an Australian rainforest, from the taxonomic point of view, they are completely different. Right, the species that you find, plants, animals, everything is completely different. But when you look at functional level, what are the biological processes happening there? The respiration of the plants, the predation of the different animals, the ecological relationships, the functions of these uh, ecosystems, they are exactly the same because they are uh, replicates of the of uh, ecosystems, right? So this is the approach that we are bringing to, to agriculture and provides a, a holistic picture of what is happening in the soil and how we can really extract value. Because it might happen that uh, the way corn is cultivated in the Midwest compared to how the corn is, is cultivated in, in India might be different, but the plant, and well, now that we're in a global world, the seeds probably, are uh, the same or very similar and the uh, issues that they are facing as farmers are pretty much the same and the inputs that they are adding the different biologicals or fertilizers are very similar so under understanding what are the differences the singularities the specific needs the personalized needs of this uh, this is what we're currently working on and uh, helping and also from different perspectives on one hand, we're working with agronomists, the prescribers, let me say the doctors of the agriculture, right? The agronomists, the retailers, the people who is really helping farmers to understand what they need and make an accurate diagnosis known on what is happening and what could be the, the most efficient solutions to apply it in a specific field. So we work with them and uh, we, actually we have a program called uh, BCAs, which is similar to the CCA or PCA uh, certifications connected to biological certified advisors, people who really know how to help at that biological level. And that was a missing piece. And we created this program to share all the knowledge that we have been gathering so far. And we welcome everybody because uh, it's a free uh, course. I mean, you can just get it. There is some requirements you have to complete uh, all the contents and also well make an, an exam at, at the end of the of the course 
but this is how we're really creating this awareness about how to manage more efficiently the, the soil biology. And regenerative agriculture is helping a lot because this, I don't want to say movement, because for me, something uh, higher. It's a way to really understand agriculture. It's not just a group of people uh, doing uh, specific farming practices. It's more about how we are uh, looking at agriculture from a professional point of view, but at the same time, from um, I don't want to use the the the, the word like uh, spiritual or any, but more practical, no pragmatical. So you know what is the impact, uh, the different impacts that the farming activity, the agriculture is having at different levels, and you know the role that goes beyond just providing the food because it's also preserving the capacity to produce food in the in the future. This is really important when we. Uh, read this uh, report from the from the FAO uh, that we've lost one-third of the arable soil in the last 40 years because of the farming practices that's so painful because that means that I mean the land we have is so limited and we don't want to destroy forests and we don't want to take forest uh, away just to to be able to grow more food we want to really preserve and restore the the natural soil fertility that has been there to help us since many years. So <clears throat> this is uh, the work we are doing with the farmers and the agronomists. And on the other hand, we are also working with uh, the input manufacturers, the people, the companies developing solutions, new solutions for, for agriculture, because beyond the current solutions that we have, based some of them on uh, uh, chemical fertilizers and so on that we've been using for a while, the natural solutions, the natural inputs that the farmers are also using. There is a new generation of inputs. And well, you have host many, many people that are working in this space um, developing probiotics and prebiotics for the field, which are more advanced inputs that contribute in different ways to the soil and to grow the plants. And we are working with help, with them to really understand how this solution works, what is the impact, the effect, the real effect. Uh, so they can also build functional claims to the market and they can really design more marketing strategies or put their solution in the places where it's going to work the best. So this work at the end of the day uh, helps a lot to improve the way we are farming the way we preserve and restore the life of the soil and also uh, create awareness on the relevance of these biological pathways that are in the soil because it's the first time we are able to identify so look at them but also measure from a quantitative point of view and because we've been working on this technology for many years and we build in this reference we know what is a regular and normal situation in a specific crop, what is exceptional for good and what is exceptional for bad. Good or bad is a concept also that is not so accurate. No, We always say high or low because a low situation might be very good depending what is your target as a farmer no? or what is the goal of your, your crop, the crop you are growing. So there is not many people criticize uh, us because we use a, a color palette for our reports that goes from yellow, low, to blue, high. And they say, no, we want red and, and green, good or bad. And it's like, mm, no, that's not the approach, sorry. 
having a very active, very high pathway of nutrient mobilization, nitrogen mobilization, for instance, might be good or might be bad, depending what is the balance of the other nutrients. No, but at least you know that uh, whatever you are doing in the soil, plant is getting the nitrogen very quick because the pathway is very active. Another thing is, is there enough nitrogen in the soil? Well, that's a different question. It might be, but traditional tests answer this question. What is happening with the potassium, with the phosphorus, with the ferro, with the calcium, with all the, the, the carbon? No, carbon is a really trending topic right now. So all of this is like a, the way we are really helping to, to connect to the soil life. Sorry if I'm taking too long and so many no, contents. No, that's great. There's there's lots of things to discuss there. First off, I really appreciate your holistic approach. I think that's that's probably an accurate word that you were looking for there earlier. You know, looking at not only the soil but the the community in in, in larger. And uh, I think that looking at that whole microbiome community and its functionality with itself is um, is a real key because we get too focused on, uh, you know, individual, um, just in one thing at a time versus looking at functional groups. And, and I think that's a, that's a key, key point there. So when you're looking at really, we, we had a couple things there, you're doing the product testing for efficacy, but also maybe for application timing, application rates, uh, and, and those kind of things, just trying to figure out how biological products work, because sometimes it is very frustrating to figure out the correct you know you have something, but figuring out the correct um, way to do it is um, is the key. And then the second thing is is the on farm testing. So, uh, farmer wants to get a little better idea of of what's going on in his soil. Might have a new farm, might have a trouble spot, or just might want to benchmark what he's got going on. How does he or she go about the process of getting their soil analyzed? Um, they pull it, and then they do you have one central lab, or you've licensed to other labs to be able to do things? I know. Lance Gunderson Region Ag Lab is doing a lot of work with you. Um, what are what are what is that process look like? And then when they get the information back, what kind of what kind of changes are farmers making as a result of the information? Because there's there's two things in traditional soil testing. Now I'm I'm rambling on here, but uh, first off, there's a lot of uh, soil tests have always been used to sell something in the past, right? You know, you don't want to take a soil test because you're going to have a bill for something, right? So. And then the other thing is, is people are a little leery of how accurate are they? You know, what what good does it have that level on there? And there's just kind of this disbelief of they're just trying to sell me something. So, you know, address what does a farmer do with the information that they get back from you from, um, you know, doing a sample with the, the bee crop uh, platform? Well, uh, four questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I just, I'll just keep making them up as we go here. No? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's perfect. So... Uh, let's go with one that I will say is the easiest. Uh, you say that the traditional cell testing usually is done to sell something to the farmer, no? It's like uh, how much fertilizer, whatever. So that's right. Uh, it's curious to see, for instance, in, in Europe, now there is a new law coming. And uh, the good thing is that here in the United States, that has been done for a while already. So the one selling the inputs cannot be the one recommending or prescribing the inputs. They have been separated. So the consultant, the agronomist, and the retailer has to be different. And this is happening. And this is going to create some troubles over there because they are used to really 
uh, work together and yeah and that's not efficient and the reason because they are splitting this is exactly because of that uh, because if i'm the doctor and the pharmacy uh, it doesn't work well no uh, that's the first thing so um, the good thing is that the world is changing and here in the in the states uh, we we already have a professional agronomist advising farmers and i was at the beginning really surprised when i was uh, well trying to incentivize people like hey why don't you use our tool and and they were like we will use it but uh, i cannot get any benefit any discount or anything because i want to really show my client that i'm independent which is great. So I was like, okay, that's that breaks a little bit my like market conception dynamics, right? That you have to give some benefits to certain professionals in order to stimulate them. For them, it was like, no, 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 regular price. I don't want any incentive. So my client really see me as an independent and neutral uh, consultant. Love it. So that's happening. And in this, uh, that but one of the problems uh, we're facing is that the knowledge they have on certain biology is very little. When you go to any agronomy school, actually there is not much but a couple of courses that, well, don't go very deep. So opening the knowledge that we have, this is how we're able to really, you know, help them to upgrade their knowledge and be presented as a soil professionals or at the biological level, okay? So yeah, traditional soil testing has been and also there were really nice Excel spreadsheets, uh, no, with the, the the data where you input certain parameters and then you get the amount, the tons that uh, of fertilizer that you need. But here the goal is a little bit different because sometimes the decision is not just to apply something. Sometimes it's stop applying something and changing for another kind of input or another kind of practice. That's another thing because now we're also testing different practices to learn what is the impact. I mean, everybody has heard about cover crops and this is not applying an input, it's putting uh, cover crops, uh, different seeds in the field to really you know, improve the, the, the balance of the soil biology in the field. So uh, that's the first question. Uh, then you mentioned accuracy. That has been a key question for DNA sequencing in all uh, the ways. Because in human health, there are some parameters that you have to bear in mind whenever you do a, a DNA sequence uh, testing. But still, there is not like a certified uh, protocol for, for this. In agriculture, you can imagine it's pretty much the same. When it comes to DNA sequencing and how it's done, anybody can claim they do DNA sequencing. Wow so open in but it's a very detailed and very you know fine process that uh, at the end of the day the goal is to generate data but the quality and the amount of data are the key not more data are better than less data but more accurate so yeah finding that balance is important we are working with international organizations actually alberto acero the other founder of the company is the chair of soil biology in the International Union of Soil Societies. And we are working to really promote and standardization of the analytical process. Because uh, something we wanted to do from the beginning was not to have this for us no? and just limit the <laughs> scope for, for biomakers. We wanted to open this and uh, more people doing this for us as a company setting a standard on how to look at the soil life was good. So we started to build a, a network of labs a couple of years ago, and that's how Lance Gatterson, Rihanna Lab, 
and others like uh, Waters uh, Labs in Georgia uh, started to really consider the option to build a lab um, for DNA sequencing, sorry, a metagenomic lab for analyzing soil biology based on the big crop standard or the standard that we are using at big crop. Let me say more correct, accurate on how we <laughs> define things. So we have uh, shared all our know-how and the lab with them. Uh, they have built the lab and they are just processing the sample. What happened in the lab is the digitalization of the soil biology in plain words so everybody can understand. So this is DNA sequencing, digitalization of soil biology. And then uh, our computing uh, solution, is our computing system is connected to their system, receive the data, process the data and deliver functional profiles for all the samples that they process. This is our business model uh, with them, and it's working really well because currently we have labs in France, in Portugal, in Morocco, in Central America, and uh, two additional labs in in US beyond the lab we have in in California. So total six labs operating the big crop standard uh, workflow, which is great, and that gives also a clients comfort, not because what happened with traditional soil testing is that there's no way to compare results. And this is bad because then you cannot really learn something. You just learn from yourself. So you learn very little. But when we put all the knowledge together and then we start uh, asking questions to this data, then you can we can really learn as, as humans. And this is how powerful the, the computing technologies are. And uh, we are not uh, vulnerating any privacy or individual data, because what you want is to really understand how we can do better when it comes to uh, the soil and crops, right? So um, everybody is protected and everybody's doing better progressively because we are learning all together in the same direction. And this is something we, we love. Yeah, and this as, is a, and as a database grows, it'll just continue to add more and more value to everyone participating in that. You know, that's, exactly. that's the beautiful part of, of that shared information. Yes, yeah, something we are going to start doing is to share uh, openly insights on what we have found out. Okay, so kind of aggregate data on what are the most relevant disease pressure that we find crop by crop uh, in U.S., per states, certain regions, you know, because we are now accumulating enough data so nobody recognizes their own data there no? uh, and also because we're questioning the data from an anonymized and aggregated point of view so that's perfect and everybody learns and this also helps to reduce no sorry to optimize the the kind of uh, practices or inputs that people is applying we might not need to apply fungicides all the time if we see that uh, for this season the disease pressure on fungal species for the most important uh, problems that uh, might affect any crop and specific crop, well, probably you can take the risk. And especially now that we see the prices of the different inputs <laughs> scale rocking very high, right? And the beautiful so, part is, is you can start to discover certain organisms. Everything in nature is a food source. <laughs> so you can, you can discover certain organisms that find that pathogen as a food source and you, you can realize that oh there were certain practices that derived this that supported this uh, beneficial uh you know to to combat the pathogen or there's certain inoculums or, or something that you can do to where we can um, try to prosper life in a balanced way instead of uh, poke the easy button and spray a fungicide 
you know, because uh, when you spray a fungicide, not only do you kill the bad guys, you kill a lot of the good guys. And uh, there's more good guys in the in the fungal world than bad guys. So, um, yeah, it's uh, now we can really get instead of um, it, it's really, you know, smart bombs for pathogens instead of nuclear bombs, you know, is, is what the capability is. Once you can once you have the knowledge, then you can act accordingly. And also uh, keep in mind that uh, this knowledge help the input manufacturers to develop more targeted solutions because the main problem was that uh, yeah, you, you can not develop a customized or a target solution target solutions uh, if you don't know what you are targeting right so that's that's really important and also genomics and this is the reason because there are so many biotech companies also into the input uh, world um, helps a lot to design solutions that are targeting specific species because if you know the whole genome or a specific pathogens, no? because at the end of the day, most of the problems come from, from there. You also asked me about uh, how a farmer uh, can benefit uh, from here, from this kind of technology. Well, the, the process is so simple because for them it's uh, similar to the traditional soil testing no uh, you have to test the soil in a slightly different way but pretty much the same smaller amount so you decide what is the management unit so the 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 area that you manage under the same practices with the same crop and similar weather and geographical conditions so if this could range from a couple of acres to 30 acres depending on the crop so if we go to the midwest corn probably uh, management unit is is quite large so we we are going to collect a sample uh, by collecting different cores into the same tubes so we get a representation of the microbial community in that soil we don't want to size uh, we want a little deeper like two four inches deep uh, soil this is where the most interesting community of microbes a leaf and uh, you just send the tube that is really small actually i don't have any tube very close now anyway so it's very small tube just ship it to any of the labs operating the big crop technology i already mentioned waters regional lab or biomakers any of them and uh, like two weeks later you receive this really nice report containing all the functional pathways that we've been able to identify. What we've learned is that there are four dimensions that are relevant for, for the community. One is nutrient mobilization. So everything that is relating to the nutrients, plant nutrients, and uh, what is the pathway to enable uh, the, um, the transition of this nutrient towards the plant. So the plant can uh, suck directly the, the nutrient from the soil. If you have one of those pathways block means that the plant is not getting that pathway because different reasons, mainly competition. Uh, the second one is disease risk. So what is the risk of having certain diseases? <clears throat> and we look both at the pathogens and also the biocontrol species. So the police and the thieves, no? let's say. Uh, because when you measure the risk, just the presence is not enough. The presence is a trigger, but having a high risk is not just about having the pathogen there. You might have the pathogen, but the pathogen is a really good ecological balance. Mm -hmm. So it's not able to really create a risk, but the pathogen is there. So there is a slight risk and you have to pay attention. And this is pure prevention, which is amazing. Some people also send us samples because they already have a problem sometimes 
we're able to say, well, we'll see what is the, the pathogen specifically creating that. But usually if you have the problem, yeah, the, the problem is there, you have to react. This is more for prevention. So before the problems show up or when you start guessing that something is going on, then that's the right moment to, to do it. Then the third dimension is stress and hormones. So how the plant is going to be stressed, which kind of hormones, uh, how it's going to grow, the feature of different uh, the fruits and so on. This is a dimension that microbes have also really important role and we can measure it. And then the last dimension, and not least, is the overall quantification of the soil quality at biological level, how alive your soil is, no, in a sense. And this is a reflection of the farming practices that you are, that, uh, are doing. Actually, we have a specific uh, solution called Victor Freight that is able to rate the, the intensity of the human intervention in the field. Let me say in, in other words, how sustainable your field is based on what you are doing there. So if you put a lot of energy, a lot of fertilizers, you, know, you do a lot of interventions in the field that are not uh, beneficial to the biology of the soil, so the structure of the community of, of the microbes in the soil, then the microbes are going to reflect it. So we have made this uh, mechanism to really uh, measure this impact. So we see some conventional farms that are rate very high, actually, because they are really reasonable on the way they are uh, interacting with uh, their field. And we have also uh, organic farms that are not doing as well as they should be doing because, well, at the end of the day, organic is about uh, laws, no? regulations and limitations. So everything that falls under the limitations is okay. And not all the practices are really extremely respectful with the soil biology, just out of curiosity. If you, usually regenerative uh, farms, fall into the higher uh, rate because they are really friendly, even if they are not purely labeled as organic, which is really curious. So this is how a farmer is really getting the, the results from, from us. We also help them to navigate the results and connect to the BCA community so they can have a quali qualified expert to help them to take action from, from these results. Okay, and so this I is just... I mean, that's just, that's an excellent way to know, you know, today it's a matter of input control, right? Conventional versus mm -hmm. organic. That That's all it is. It's not a result base, uh, but this is unlocking uh, a portion, just like a nutrient density testing of the food, or this is unlocking a portion of how, what you're doing, the outcomes of what you're doing. And I think that's going to have tremendous value for farmers and the ecosystem in the future. And there's likely going to be additional revenue streams that farmers can participate. And, and this allows us to help quantify the good things that are being done. Um, you know, that might be better than, than the, uh, it being the top percentile of, of good things being done. So that is, that is really interesting. You know, that the, the disease risk, don't get me wrong, the disease risk, the hormones and nutrient mobilization, that is all wonderful predictive things. And, and we can definitely adjust what we're doing as a result of that. You know, the soil quality parameter, that's the one that's got a lot of uh, amazing uh, possibilities and future to it. But, you know, we certainly have things, tools today that can you can adjust your farming practices today to be better. And, and that certainly has a, a long reach uh, on that fourth one that you're talking about. 
Yeah, and also uh, this this parameter, which is uh, just for the unit that I mentioned before, uh, it's included in our Bcrop standard Bcrop report for any analytics. So we don't uh, differentiate. No, you get the whole thing because uh, once we analyze, we see everything. Then it's important that you don't get lost on all the dimensions because usually when you do this kind of tests, it's because you want to know something specific. So the best is to go straight to your interest. And then out of curiosity, or if you have time, look at the rest, but not get mm, lost because at the end of the day, uh, you can dive really deep on, on the results because what I mentioned are four dimensions, but then we uh, disaggregate those dimensions in different indicators and all the indicators are the report that we deliver. And this is for the unit. Uh, the rate is for the whole farm. And the idea here was to de de deliver as much value as possible because there is clearly an agronomic value on the results that we deliver. We'll stop, right? But we wanted to help farmers that are doing the right thing or doing better or trying to do as better as possible or and be concern, uh, conscious about their farming practices and so on. We wanted to uh, help them to position their crops in the market in a better way. It's curious that the big crop rate is right now working extremely well in uh, Central America and South America with tropical crops like coffee, cacao, bananas, because they export a lot. And for them, it's a way to really show that uh, they are trying to do a, a better in, in the field. And they separate, segment their farmers based on the ratings that they get. And they also price the crop in a different way based on the rate that they get from their farmers. So usually uh, for the big crop rate, the, the food distributor or the wall seller is the, the main client. That was really uh, surprising for us because we started offering to farmers. But yeah, at the end of the day, farmers is like, well, unless uh, my um, buyer is paying me a higher price, I'm not going to be able to do this. So we went to the buyer. And we saw that uh, actually they are really, really excited about this kind of tools. And they're the ones taking the cost of the tool for the farmers. And then what we help on top of this rating system is to provide some agronomic value by connecting them to the to the BCA community. And uh, it's working. And hopefully uh, this is uh, happening bigger and bigger because we see so many like CPGs, uh, corporates, uh, food corporations talking about regenerative agriculture and how they want to incentivize that. But actually, there are not many mechanisms that they can utilize Correct. or even to use, not to uh, show that this is real and it's not just a nice PR that they are going to release. Right. And, and that's the problem is, is quantifying the outcomes. And uh, there's a great way that, and this is certainly a start in there. And plus, I'm sure you can look at certain organisms that cause, uh, that are involved in the, making stable humus in the soil. So that'll be an important component of, of carbon sequestration. You can look at, you know, various uh, species that tend to help increase stable aggregates in the soil. So that's important for, you know, water dynamics in the soil. Uh, so yeah, there, it's, uh, it's very, very interesting. So I think, um, you know, you're, you're definitely at a point now with a large enough data set that uh, if, if, you know, farmers listening here, if you haven't tried this before, you need to and uh, take a look at what's going on there, especially for systems comparisons, or if you pick up some new farm ground, 
and you want to kind of get an idea of what's going in there. If you're going in blind, that's a great way. Anything on the recommendation real quick as far as uh, time of year or moisture considerations or, you know, crop considerations of wind sampling should occur to, to get uh, um, the best information possible? Or how is that impacted? Because on traditional soil testing, that varies, you know, fall versus spring or in crop and, and moisture levels and all that. Uh, you might speak to how that uh, maybe is a little less of an issue with this type of testing. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, uh, we don't see such a high seasonability as uh, we could see on traditional soil testing, because as we pointed, I highlighted before, traditional soil testing is about fertilization and fertilization when you apply the fertilization, which is right now, I mean, a couple of months ago, probably. And uh, But with biology, it's a little bit different, depending on the crop and depending on, on the farmer, uh, there are going to be different questions. And what we see is well, uh, farmers sampling the whole year, so different points along the year. For sure, at the beginning of the season, is like interesting because then you can uh, see what is the status of the soil after the harvest. This is, uh, so what do you need to restore or to promote in order to be successful the next season? At the middle of the season with the flowers, flowering and so on, that's very interesting because the especially disease risk is when and stress and hormones are relevant. And then before the harvest, usually you want to have this uh, soil quality indicator so you can also position the crop in a different way. If you ask me, uh, you can do it all across the year for sure, uh, but be sure what you want to achieve with, by looking at the soil is just about <clears throat> optimizing the, the yield, improving the yield by optimizing the inputs. Perfect. So let's do it at the beginning and probably at the mid, middle end, a no? couple of times per year should be enough. Uh, for you. If if you're more worried about diseases, then probably you just need one point, which is when the plant start to be vulnerable to 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 all kinds of problems. So yeah, uh, it could be done all across the year. That's the, the reality. Excellent. It's very interesting. Sorry, yes. No, uh, no. It's very interesting whenever you do something different. So this is very common. Uh, farmers do so many experiments in the field and they usually use certain areas of their farms to test no so comparative situation that's the best value that they will going to they are going to get so if you see there is an area with really high yield and other with low yield and you don't know why so test both because then you can uh, uh, leverage both situations and increase probably the, the the other side or at least identify the biological parameters that might be impacting the lower yield compared to the other one these kind of situations are the ones that we find most useful so far. That is great. And a lot of times when we do traditional soil testing, it's frustrating because you can't find any differences. So yes. it's great to have a tool that you can. Um, anything else I should have brought up today while, our, while we had our time together here? Well, uh, again, thank you very much. Uh, Bicrop has been used for many years. Uh, we see that this, was, this is going to remain active for many more. So if people hasn't tried yet, uh, I encourage them to at least start assessing and understanding what is the biological. We should not be afraid of this new dimension because uh, while it might be looking a little bit complex, uh, there are many people eager to help us to simplify the decisions because this new layer of data are amazing. So there is 
you can acquire or ask or buy these tests uh, online and biomakers.com you have the possibility you can go to your retail ask them because we work with many retailers as well as your agronomies um, input manufacturers pretty much if somebody tries to sell you an input a solution magical solution ask them have you tested with some independent company that can really give me an overview because the picture with and without doesn't work anymore right so yeah don't be afraid that would be my message oh very good i really appreciate your time and I, and what's most exciting for me and and your company is that really you know we started the ag emerge uh, podcast and conferences because we saw that there is a lot of ag technology emerging you know in genomics and robotics automation information sensors all these things and we saw how a lot of it was just aiming at making conventional farming a little bit better and we really want to promote the soil health principles and regenerative farming and this technology is right at that intersection of regenerative farming and ag tech and i just i just love the potential for it to better inform our farming decisions and really validate the soil health principle approach of regenerative farming uh, both in a, in a quantitative way to where farmers can be assured that they're making the right decision and, and going in the right direction and can get off of uh, as many conventional inputs and, and, and those kind of things to move to a more soil health focused approach, focused approach and, you know, have an opportunity to see how it's changing their soils over time. So thank you for you, your, your co-founder, your entire team, um, and uh, all that you've done to to bring this to to light to really let the the truth of what's going on in the soil be seen. Well, I appreciate also the contribution that you do by sharing these kind of technologies and experiences all across the industry. Well, thanks for listening. One of the things we think is so important for soil health is exploring the opportunities technology brings to the stage. And companies like Biomaker is just one of the great examples of how that is happening. Would you like to learn more about what we're doing to help growers explore and implement soil health practices? Well, you can check out our website at asn.farm and there you can click on links to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, in and YouTube. There's a lot of great things happening and always something to learn. Thanks for listening.